Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. All-powerful. God living amongst them, moving amongst them, wanting to be with his people. And so we have water coming from the rock when they're in the wilderness. We've got manna when they're out there in the desert, God feeding his people. We've got the fire of God's glory on the mountain where no one could go to ascend it. We have the ark of God's presence on the shoulders of the priests as they're standing in the River Jordan, and the River Jordan is in full flood at that time, and the waters part, and so the people cross over to enter the promised land. The presence of the Lord. What am I getting at here? We are the people of God. Amen? We are the people of God. In other words, we are his people. We are his sanctuary. We are his house. And if you read through 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the first few verses, uh, Romans 15 verse 4, it shows that the history of Israel and all that they went through in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant, that actually point to and they're examples for the people of God of the New Covenant, which is us this morning. The book of Hebrews shows us that the whole structure of the tabernacle and, and, the, and, and the sanctuary of God and the whole priestly and sacrificial system of the Old Testament, it was a type and it foreshadowed Christ and his church. And we are his church. Amen? We are his church. We who have been born again, to use that biblical phrase, we who are, who are saved this morning, we who have decided to follow Jesus, who have, uh, who, we who have given our lives to Christ. We are God's own people. You can't get excited with me this morning. When I think about it, it's exciting. We are God's own people. And God, like the old, uh, like the people of the Old Testament, the Israelites, still wants to live amongst his people. God wants to live amongst his people. The tabernacle, the sanctuary of the Old Testament, it's a picture of the New Testament church. And we are that church. We are those living stones fitted and joined together, forming a house for God. We are a place for the presence of God, for the weight of his glory to rest upon us, to encounter God himself, not just his power. Ben, Isaiah 60 verse 7, God said these words, love this, but just taking it, uh, I suppose, right out of its context and seeing it applying to us as church today, God says, I will glorify the house of my glory. I will glorify the house of my glory. We are the house of his glory. We are his temple. We are his sanctuary. We are his tabernacle. And he will glorify us when the cloud of his glory comes down and fills his tabernacle. 
And when that happens, we as people, we become a distinct company of people. We are separate from other people who are outside us. We are the people of God. And other people notice because when we leave the presence of the Lord, we reflect the glory of God out there in the world. Are you getting this? Maybe I'm just using language that's not quite quite heading home. Hopefully we can get to where that becomes a reality. What I'm saying so far is we are his church. Church is not a building. Church is people. We are his people because we followed him. It's God's idea. Why did he have it? God wants to live amongst us. And I will glorify the house of my glory. His presence. When God is here, his presence is here. Amen? It really is. Whether we're a small group or a large group, whether we've got a full band or whether we've got Tristan. That's no reflection on Tristan, sorry. Doesn't matter. We are his church. I believe in this place, us as a group of people this morning, can enter into his presence. I believe that. Without a full band, without hundreds of people, but just being the people of God. Ben? Move on. Looking at that clock. Yep. God comes down. Psalm 22, verse 3, 3 talks about God's people worshipping, and it says, But you are wholly enthroned in the praises of Israel. You are wholly enthroned in the praises of, of Israel. Or God inhabits the praises of his people, if you're reading King James. The tangible presence of God listen, is directly related to his people collectively praising him. Did you get that? The tangible presence of God is directly related to his people praising him. He is enthroned. In other words, he is ready to manifest his kingdom power into our situations. His rule is in is invited to invade our setting when we praise him. God presents himself amongst us as we worship, and he desires to be with his people, to envelope us with his glorious presence. It's his idea. God comes down. And I'm not just talking you from something I've read in the Bible. I've seen it. I've seen it when God's presence is so thick and so heavy in a service where the musicians have been unable to stand. I've been there when God's people have been praising, and as they praise, they've been unable to stand. 
I've been in God's presence where people have just fallen out of the chairs into the floor with nobody near them. When God's presence is there, I've been in in church and seen it when people who have been at each other's throats in disunity, and I'll talk about that in a minute, I have seen it when God has, when they've come into an environment where God's people are praising and praising him and God is there, and those, those, those differences that have been going on in some cases for years been reconciled in a moment, and they've got up and embraced, and God has done something. Why? Because God is there. God invades our presence and our setting where we truly worship him. Amen? I have seen it when young people have come in off the street into our meetings and have fallen down and then got up and given their lives to Jesus Christ. I have seen it when people who have had illnesses, you've been touched by God and supernaturally healed. I have seen it when five and six-year-olds have stood up and prophesied over adult people. I've lived long enough, not that I'm that old, but I've actually seen it where things happen when people praise God. I'm trying to encourage you this morning. I'm not just talking a little bit of theory. And let me say this when I'm saying that, that has nothing to do with me. Here's what I believe about God really filling his house and his people praising. I actually believe in the priesthood of all believers. I believe in God touching people all over the place and people will prophesy and people will use the gifts of the Spirit and, and people will minister to one another and it won't be some somebody who's been to college for 45 years and knows everything. It won't be the some sort of the prophet. No, no, it'll be, it'll be the people of God because we are all living stones. Amen. I want to encourage you. Let me challenge you. I'm way off my notes, but yeah, be gracious to me. I want to challenge you just to be in a place where God can use you. Where you actually would believe and be ready and say, okay, God, I'm available. Lord, I'm available. If you want to use me, use me. It might be saying hello to somebody having a cup of tea. It might be prompted to pray over them. It might be to really step out and face faith and, and share a prophetic word or a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or whatever way. You know, it, it could be a hundred and one different things. It might be feeling prompted to go and visit somebody during the week. I want to encourage you. Be open for God to use you. Particularly when we are together as a group of people. I'll come to that in a moment. Get back on track, John. Okay. How can we enter the presence of the Lord? Are you ready? Nobody's ready. Good. I've got eight points. It's not a three-point sermon. Eight points. How can we enter the presence of the Lord? Number one, we've already mentioned it. When we come together to worship Him. Already mentioned that. So go to number two. When we recognize who God is. When we recognize who God is. 
God is holy. God is awesome. God is unapproachable. God is pure. God is absolutely other. And we need to give him his place. So don't be casual about coming together. Be focused. Recognize who God is. Um, the Lord's Prayer, we're all familiar with it. Matthew chapter 6, you'll find it there. Um, the version I'm reading from, part I'm reading from. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, may your name be kept holy, New Living Translation says. Your name, your name. In, in biblical times, it meant everything that you are and everything that you represent. Your name. So to hallow God's name is, I'll read it, to honor or praise God in such a way that he and everything about him is lifted up above everything that we are. It's to remind ourselves that God should be elevated and raised up high above everything else. Hallow his name. The world tends to drag down the name of the Lord. We know that. But we as a church, when we worship, when we come together, we recognize who God is and we exalt him and we praise him and we worship him and we do it intentionally. He is the creator. He is the one true God. He is above everything else. He is God. And whatever the daily pressures that you are facing today, when we acknowledge who God is and when we praise him, we remind ourselves that he alone is sovereign and ultimately in charge. Amen? It always helps me to focus on God because it makes my problems small. Amen? So we need to know who God is. We need to understand who God is. Uh, next one, number three. We acknowledge who we are. God is God, and guess what? We are not his equal. We give him his place. And the more we focus on him and see him and recognize him, we begin to recognize who we are in his presence. Isaiah, you know about the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 6, uh, verse, verse 1, verse 1 of 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And the place shook because he was in the presence of the Lord and he saw the seraphim, those angelic beings, crying out, Holy, holy, holy. And he said in verse 5, Woe is me, for I am root, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. God is more than someone who just responds to our needs. God is not just the great supernatural doctor ready to fix us. He's not just the teller in the heavenly bank to supply our needs. He's not the director of the Myers store in the sky. 
God is more than just a being whose sole purpose is to serve our needs and our desires. God is God. And we need to know who we are. And we are sinners in need of a Savior. We are separated from God because sin separates. Some scriptures for us, Ephesians 2 verse 12, remember that at a time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in the world. We were without a Savior on our way to hell. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's who we are, and that is our state without him, and hell is where we're going without him. So the fourth point is, by coming into the presence of God, we realize that God loves us, and he wants us to come into his presence. He wants, he loves us, and he wants us to come into his presence. But sin, sin prevents us from entering. I'm focusing on that word sin because we refuse to acknowledge that we have a sin condition. In the world that we live in today, you don't have sin. We have problems. We have issues. We've got habits. We've got conditions that, that, that make us do stuff which ain't good. We blame our background, we blame our family and our upbringing, we blame the, the school that we went to, and we make excuses for our behavior, but the reality is we are sinners. And sin stops us from entering the presence of a holy God. Sin separates, and the result is eternal death and eternal separation from God the God who loves us. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God does love us. God does love us. John chapter 4, good chapter to read. But it says there in there that God is love. It says that God is loves us. It says that we love because he first loved us. It's one thing to love others, but first we need to love the Lord. An experiential love for God, born out of the fact that he loves you. Despite all that sin stuff, he really loves you. God, the Creator, loves you. Thank you, Jesus. View is not based upon your performance. It's not earned by, by good works or by living the perfect life. No, He loves you. I read about a consultant, a very highly paid consultant, who charged charges $70,000 a week to go in and look at how um, 
businesses are run. Invite this guy to come in, you pay him 70000 and he would tell you what you would need to do. And in concerning your employers, he gives this advice of how companies can perform better. He says, employing people with a low self-esteem and who are high achievers, those people make the best workers because they're driven to please. He also says, when you have such people and when you have, give them a performance review, and you know the story about getting your performance review, he says, always find one point on which they can improve upon because that will motivate that worker to work harder for you. Works. I think God's terrible. But God loves you the way that you are. Is that not liberating? I don't have to work. I might have low self-esteem, but I don't have to work hard at trying to please God. He loves me just as I am. Move on quickly. Coming into the presence of the Lord. I don't know which number I'm at. Is it six? Five, only five. Well, we're making headway. Okay. Fifthly, we accept that God made a way for us to come. God made a way for us to come. And there is no other way. I know I'm preaching to the, the converted. John 14, verse 6 says, I am the way. This is Jesus speaking. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What does it say? No one comes to the Father except that you read from the... Yes, you are. To knew your Bible. Acts 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. God has given... No other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So we come. There's only one way. We come via the cross. Or to use the Old Testament illustration of the tabernacle, we come via the altar of burnt sacrifice at the entrance of the tabernacle. That's the way and You've got to go through that before you get into the Holy of Holies. In other words, the place of sacrifice. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So Jesus paid the penalty for your sins and for my sins. By his blood, we are able to enter the presence of the Lord. Romans 5 verse 8, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with his blood, with the blood of his Son, and forgave our sins. And what do we do? Acts 16 verse 31, Believe. There is no other way. What do we do? We believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And Hebrews, I love this scripture, Hebrews 10, 19 to 20. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. That's good news. 
God deeply desires for us to come into his presence, and he made a way to deal with our sin and remove it so that we, we could come in with the righteousness of Christ clothing us. It's good news. Next, moving on quickly. When we come together as a church, when we come together as a church, back to the Lord's Prayer, notice the words, Our Father, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive, as we lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's a we. It's not a singular. It's a plural. It's a we. It's a tabernacle. It's a sanctuary for his people, not just for you. Collective, something special about the people coming together. 1 Peter 2 verse 5, you also as living stones, that's us, living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you see, it's when we come together, something special happens. I'm sorry if you can think you can do your Christianity totally on your own. No, there is a place for interacting with God on your own, but something special happens when you really come together. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17, don't you realize that you are all, you, that you are, that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? So when we come together, together, something unique takes place. When we worship together, God comes down fills his temple with his presence. And next, appreciate that his presence comes when we come together in unity. A lot of this I'm st is, is very obvious, and I know I'm teaching those that know all of this. It's pretty obvious, but hey, we need to live it. We experience his presence when we gather together in unity. And I could say a lot about disunity. So many denominations in the world today, all believing they are right and the other is wrong. Contentions and separation over child baptism versus adult baptism, whether you, um, you receive the Holy Spirit at conversion or whether it is subsequent to conversion, whether speaking tongues is in a thing for today or not, or whether you, or, 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 or whether is the initial evidence. And all of these, these arguments uh, that we have, and indeed some churches that don't believe in the, while others do. And so we separate on these issues. And the whole thing of woman in ministry as opposed to male leadership only. Division and disunity. And we come together and we celebrate communion. And that word communion comes from the Greek word called kanonia. And you find in Corinthians 10 verse 16, which is, which is talking about, yeah, it actually means a participation, a fellowship, a sharing, a joining together in oneness. 
In other words, that uniqueness of oneness takes place as we celebrate communion together. And Jesus asks us to do this. Is this not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks? A participation, a communion in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? And yet the sacrament that Christ implemented to show that the church is one body, yet in some denominations you are refused to participate in those sacraments if you're not a member or if you're not baptized or if you do not hold to their tradition. And yet God's heart is that we would be one. Amen? I am thankful for Grace Life, the church that we belong is to is kingdom-minded and doesn't have denomination in mind. I am thankful for that. I am thankful for that, how Pastor Josh and others over the years have made room and space for other church leaders to come together and indeed churches, rather than arguing over points and saying, oh, you don't believe in this, you're not welcome here. I'm glad we belong to a church which is encompassing because it's the kingdom. And truly, there only is one body, the church. Amen. God's heart is that we would be one, as he is one. That we would all be one with him. There's a lot more we could say about disunity. And I've been there. I can remember a time when when I thought the um, the Anglicans were lesser Christians. Bad confession. I can remember a time when I thought Baptists were theologically unsound. And I can remember Roman Catholics, you know, being a good Protestant Irishman. I could not see how any of them could be born-again believers. And I've had to repent. God wants unity. So when we come together, come together, yes, come together in unity. In unity. And when we do, and when we do, and when we truly do, and when we come to church and decide that I'm going to put that thing right with my brother, it's gone on for so many years. And when we decide, I know she's wrong, but that's not the point. She's my sister. And we will break bread together and we will worship together. And I will have a forgiving heart for those who have hurt me. And yes, the hurt is they haven't changed. That's not the point. I am going to have a forgiving heart which releases me from a lot of bondage and allows me to walk in a place of freedom. Amen. Wait a minute. Gather and come together in. God's presence comes. <laughs> come on, Tristan, wherever you are, presence comes. There is one on faith. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do for 
five minutes or so. It's 14 minutes past 11 in case you're checking your watches. Faith. In other words, I choose to believe according to what I've read in your word that when I come and praise and worship you, God, as a company of people, getting my heart right, that your presence comes. I'm asking you to exercise faith for 10 minutes or so. Is that okay? Rather than just singing the songs, rather than you know, me going into prophetic words and all of that, that stuff as you may look for in other church. No, no. I believe that your pres- his presence is here. You won't see me and you won't see Tristan and you won't see Pastor Scott or anybody else. You'll see him. Amen. As we come together in unity, we are those living stones. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.